And welcome to Detention, where democracy is alive. Yes. Uh, but hanging on by a thread. Yes. So uh, getting very, uh, like, split even. Yeah, it's been crazy. And we'll obviously talk about it in a little bit of what's going on. But before we do that, Thanksgiving's coming up. Yeah, next week. Yeah, so just a little bit curious. Do you know what an evil chicken lays? Uh, an evil chicken? An evil chicken. Oh, um, Mitch McConnell. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. He's more of a turtle. Fair enough. But deviled eggs. Deviled eggs. That's good. Are you a fan of deviled eggs? I do. I like deviled eggs. I yes. am not a fan of Which is of weird because I normally don't like eggs, but I love deviled eggs. I think I like most all eggs except for hard boiled eggs. And deviled eggs obviously is hard boiled and then you scoop the guts. But yeah, yeah. but then you like whip it and make it taste good. I don't like it. I don't like the feeling of it. I don't know. It's just Fair weird. Enough. I understand that. Sports talk. Uh, not too much to talk about so far this week. Well, I mean, we have two things for each category, so I shouldn't say that. We'll still t- spend like over 20 minutes talking about it. The biggest story for football we want to discuss was Frank Reich got fired. Uh, he was the Indianapolis head coach fired <clears throat> this past Monday after losing to the Patriots 26-3. to So uh, Bill Belichick putting another guy uh, in retirement. <laughs> Uh, Reich was 40, 33, and 1 in the regular season. It was 1 and 2 uh, in the playoffs. And I think he only had like two appearances or something like that. So that's how he would get two. Yeah. Well, he was 1 and 2. Yeah. So he won one game and lost two. How do you get kicked out of the playoffs? You lose. Yeah, true. Anyway, uh, he was in his tenure. Uh, as head coach of the Indianapolis Colts, he was insistent in having, or no, he wasn't insistent. There was insistent quarterback turnover uh, where the Colts had a different opening day starting quarterback each year that he was a head coach. So all five seasons he had a different. So And he was lucky enough to have Andrew Luck in his first season. But since then, he's had a different starting quarterback. So not, I guess, too much to blame there. Who's between Luck and Rivers? Brissett. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Luck, Brissett, Rivers, Wentz, and Ryan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Colts named Jeff Saturday as their interim head coach uh, this past Wednesday. Saturday, who was 47, is a six-time Pro Bowler uh, center who played for the Colts for 13 seasons and was, and I guess maybe still currently is in some way, an ESPN analyst. Uh, he also won a Super Bowl with him. He did win a Super Bowl. Um, the move, this is something I found interesting, is that they they hired him. Oh, Jeff Saturday is white. <clears throat> they hired him, and it does not violate the Rooney rule, which requires that teams interview minority candidates for uh, head coaching vacancies. Quote from Brian McCarthy that the rule does not apply to interim head coaches during the season. It does apply after the conclusion of the team's season. The club would have to fulfill the rule before hiring full-time coach. I was wondering if that's what it was because I know he was hired as interim. Yeah, so rule being that he's interim, it doesn't have to be a Rooney rule or anything like that. Um, and his first win came this uh, Saturday, or Sunday, yesterday, where they beat the Raiders 25-20. to 20. 
which I was totally thinking the Raiders were going to dominate, so I lost that in my pick'em pool this week. Uh, so Saturday did start the NFL season uh, with his NFL coaching career with a win, which is kind of nice. I've seen a lot of backlash from this, mainly because he's white and has no professional or college, I believe, coaching experience. I think he has high school. Right. Mm-hmm. So I understand where those people are coming from. A lot of the issue, though, is they're saying it's because he's white. It's because um, he's played for the team that he doesn't have to have any experience. Same kind of issues that you saw with Steve Nash and the Brooklyn Nets. Same kind of backlash you're getting. And I completely understand where they're coming from. And it's like every single head coaching job that comes available does not have to be filled by a black person. And that's the thing that's really starting to irritate me is like I completely understand where you're coming from, where they need to like have the the diversity brought in into question when it comes to the head coaching job, but they needed to fill something now. And yeah, there's probably a lot of black head coaches that, or just coaches in general that are really qualified, but Jeff Saturday has had a lot of history with this team. And again, I understand the point of view of these people, but it's starting to irritate me. It's like not every single position that opens up needs to be filled by a black person that's just not how that works because then you're literally doing exactly what you don't want them to do but to make it okay on the opposite side yeah that's my problem my biggest thing is there was you didn't trust anyone on the current coaching staff right you you couldn't find anybody that's already a part of the organization to just take over the reins until the end of the season that should be the bigger question to me uh you're bringing in yeah he he played there for a long time, but he hasn't played there for a while. Mm-hmm. The system's different. Right. So the to me the question should be why is this underqualified person being thrusted in there rather than this white underqualified person? Like I understand that does play a role, but that shouldn't be the main question. It should be why is this person who's completely underqualified not why is he getting the nod over a lot of people who are more qualified? That's mm-hmm. to me the bigger question. Yeah. Moving on, though, we had talked earlier, even with Colin, about who the best team in the league was, and you both said it was the Bills. But Followed closely by the Eagles. Yes, but they have lost twice this year, which, I mean, God forbid they lose twice. Maybe uh, three, three times. times. They've lost okay. three times. God forbid you could be the number one team and lose multiple times in a year. Whatever. But they lost to a 7-1 and one Vikings team at the time. Mm-hmm. So my question is here, are the Bills as good as we thought they were, or are the Vikings actually as good as their record shows? I think it's a little bit of both, though I'm going to lean towards I think the Bills are still just as good as we thought. There are three losses. Two of them are against the top two teams in their own division. So the Dolphins and the Jets. And though both those two teams are doing really well this season. So I wouldn't put anything against the Bills for losing to those two really good teams. Um, and then they lost to the Vikings. Uh, Allen was injured coming into this game. He does have, I think it's an elbow issue from going last week when he was playing. He was going to throw a pass and a defensive lineman grabbed his arm as he was bringing the ball back. So, and that's could be a very, uh, 
painful experience that happens a lot of quarterbacks and sometimes it just rips a tendon in their elbow and they're out for the season uh but he did play injured their defense is still better than the vikings and from what i can tell obviously that didn't show as well yesterday um jeff justin jefferson just walked all over him yeah he and yeah that's a different type of story the bills are banged up on defense they do have the Very second much, they yes. do have the second best defense still in the league points per game. Broncos are first. Um and they have the best offense yards per game in the league. And they're third for points per game in the league for offense. So they're doing really well. The Vikings I mean they have the second best record in the NFC, second to only the Eagles. Their best win from looking at it is the Dolphins. That's the uh, only thing I could really discern from that. Like every other team that they've beaten is not very good, and they've almost lost to the Commanders, the Saints, and the Lions. So I don't think they're as good. They're just kind of squeaking by. I feel like the Vikings are very much like LeBron James, where every win that they've gotten this year, there's a caveat to it, right? There's a reason why they got that win. Yeah. For whereas like LeBron, there's a reason why he's not the greatest. Um, like you said, they squeaked by the commanders. So you barely beat Taylor Heineke. You beat the dolphins without Tua. Mm-hmm. You beat the bills with an injured secondary. I mean, there's, there's a quote unquote reason why they won every single game where they could have lost every single game, which is true, but well, yeah, that's I mean, just how football works. The Lions defense is trash and the Saints can't don't have a quarterback. So it's like you you can literally make up an, a reason for why they won for every game that they have. Yeah. So yeah. it's that's just I guess the way that it rolls, but I do think the Bills are still great. I think they are definitely not as healthy as they could be, but yeah. I, Interesting question to me. Yeah, I think the Vikings just came in and stole one, and we're happy to get out of there quick. <laughs> yeah. I I do not anticipate that they will continue to do that uh, for the rest of the season. Last thing I will say about this, though, is probably the best game I've seen all season. Was it entertaining? Oh, yes. Well, because they were, at one point, wasn't Buffalo up like 17-0? I don't know that, but the last six minutes of the game was very much like the last two minutes of the game with the Bills and the Chiefs last week year so it was very back and forth went into overtime bills lost the coin toss uh vikings went down for a touchdown didn't get it field goal and then the bills threw an interception so yeah basketball basketball, yes Mm -hmm. brooklyn nets have named uh jacques vaughn as their new head coach which good job to the nets great hopefully he pulls the team together. They're looking a little bit better so far. They're getting team, uh, some players healthy. So I think they're starting to make the come up. Kyrie still Kyrie, so there's he's still suspended. So that'll get sorted out when whenever it does. But good on him. I saw his contract goes out for the next season too. Oh, I don't know about that. So he'll be the coach the rest of this season and then extends out into 2023-24. So he'll have another year. Um uh, obviously, he's replacing Steve Nash. I don't know how much of a up or down move that is for him to come in as head coach. What do you think? 
I mean, anytime you get the recognition of head coach, I think it's always better for you because now you have head coaching experience rather than just assistant coaching experience, which I think he was a head coach before, wasn't he? Uh, I, I think I saw he was a head coach at like uh, the, with the Orlando Magic. I don't know. And uh, then he... I don't really keep track of the Orlando Magic, to be completely honest with you. <laughs> he lost that job, and then uh, he was on the as- assistant coach's team for the Nets for like the last seven years or something like that. Yeah. Oh. Um, but he did get... Uh, first two games as head coach, he won yeah. against the Knicks and then the Clippers. I don't know if they've played since I last checked this, which was, I think, Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. So he's 2-0. and Yeah. Good on him. Other basketball news, which I thought was really funny, and this is kind of a conversation I want to have with you. I guess maybe it's a one-sided conversation. But anyway, if you are sports fans out there and you haven't heard yet, which to me would be a shocker, LeBron James had some interesting comments after uh, his last game where he was talking to the media about some calls that he didn't get that he thought he should have. So... When he was being talked to and asked questions about the lack of calls that he's getting, he says he loves the physicality, and but he just wants more whistles when he gets hit. He was comparing what he received the last few games to other guys on the floor and says he hasn't received the same treatment. Um, he did have, however, an interesting idea on how to maybe get foul calls that he thinks he deserves, and his idea is really simple. Uh, he said... I got to learn how to flop or something. And then I think he received a weird look because when he continues, he has his eyes open. He's like, well, of course, I. this is what I mean by saying, seriously, I need to learn how to do that. Swipe my head back or do something to get to the free throw line. So he's flopped before. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. People made compilation videos of mm-hmm. LeBron flopping after these comments and there is one big thing I want to say, right? There are a lot of things that LeBron has done in his NBA career that are dazzling, that will be remembered forever. Uh, one of those is the chase down blocks in the finals, right? And I think there's two things that he did to change the game, which is what the greats do. I mean, you look at Michael, he showed that you don't need to be a big man to be the number one option. Uh, Wilt Chamberlain changed the rules because he was just too dominant in the paint, so they had to move it out, uh, make the three-second rule. LeBron showed people not only that taking care of your body was important, but then he also taught them how to do it. But the other thing that he mastered and is something that people should study as you watch the game is how to flop. Again, if you look at his career, he has flopped every year consistently, especially if you watch the three or four seasons he was with the Miami Heat. It was atrocious. And... Not only him on that team, but Chris Bosh was really bad about doing it. I mean, that's a decade ago. He's got to relearn. Right. It is so bad. Because even when he went back to Cleveland, there were some really like egregious flop calls. I can remember one. I can't remember the team he was playing, but somebody pushed him. It might have even actually been his own player, but pushed him. And so then he like took a sidestep and then like jumped sideways. It's like, Really? So you're going to seriously sit here and say, I need to learn how to flop when you've already been doing that. This is literally what some people have learned from you who are now in the league on how to flop. Oh, yeah. Uh, I don't I think this happens every year. I think every year 
things aren't going his way and he goes back to his uh tried and true of like man i'm just not getting enough fouls why aren't they calling fouls on me yep it happens every year it seems and it's just like dude just shut up and play the fucking game you're it's not like you're already scoring 27 points a night right why would it matter if you're getting a couple more times at the free throw line tell your players to do better defense or something i don't know like if you're that concerned about scoring points you're seeing that the other team is getting fouled a lot more it might just be that your team just sucks at defense and like they're gripping and holding people and they're not fucking supposed to and there's comparisons to michael and jordan or michael and jordan michael jordan and lebron james all the time and this is the one that this is one of the big arguments for me as to why michael will always be better have you ever heard of the jordan rules uh, me personally yes uh no okay so when michael jordan played the bad boy pistons mm-hmm. in the late 80s early 90s they had what was called the jordan rules oh yeah i have heard of that then yeah, yeah. they're like do anything you can to prevent him from shooting not even shooting getting off the ground yeah so anytime that he left the air, he was getting pushed, yanked, hit, anything you could think of to get down on the ground. And I don't know if Michael bitched or complained. I'm not going to speculate on that because I'm not sure. But I'm pretty sure that he just played through it and got through it. Like, I don't think he went and bitched to the league. I don't think he went and bitched to the media. I'm pretty sure he just... Took it. It was also just, I mean, obviously a completely different era. Right. Everyone was physical back then. Yeah. It was just that uh, with Isaiah Thomas being the leader of the Pistons at the time and having a beef with Jordan, it was just like, well, we're going to be a little bit extra harsh on you right. just because you're the new guy and fuck you. And the idea that LeBron right now is bitching and moaning because he's not getting a foul where the foul he's talking about is if he'll put his shoulder into somebody and they might accidentally like just graze his arm when he's going out for a shot, or even if he puts a shoulder into him, which sometimes have been called on a defensive player for not getting out of the way, mm-hmm. that's not being called much anymore because the referees are dialing those back. So, yeah, you're not going to get a ticky-tack foul for them playing good defense. Yeah. Stop being a little bitch and play the fucking game. You're supposed to be one of the best players, you know, alive. You call yourself the best player to ever play the game. Shut the fuck up and just play. Yeah, I don't think Kobe was really too insistent about why am I not getting enough fouls. No. I think Kobe was also better at getting fouls just by right. putting his body in a situation where it's like, okay, well, I'm going to run into this guy. I'm going to shoot the ball. If I make it, awesome. Most of the time he probably would. If I don't, I know that the ref's going to call a foul because I'm putting this guy in a horrible body position and he's not going to be able to correct it. Don't get me wrong. I think LeBron is a fantastic person. He's a phenomenal player. But there's a reason why a lot of people don't like him. And there's a reason why I don't like him as a player. It's because he's a fucking prima donna. Get over yourself. Get over your ego. Just fucking play. Just play. I'm not saying shut up and dribble. Don't talk about important things. What I'm saying is stop bitching and just do something about it. Just do it. Just shut the fuck up. Do it. Yeah. Iowa sports news. Basketball season has started. Uh, We will continue or not continue, but we will talk more about that as uh, more games happen. They're playing nobody's right now, so it's really not that big of a deal. Though the Iowa women's team almost lost the other day to Drake. Ew. Yeah. It was like 94 or something like that to 86. It was fucking close. They were down at half. Wow. But they came back and they won it. Uh, but 
we'll cover more of basketball when it gets deeper into the season. But for Iowa sports, talking about the Iowa Wisconsin game, uh, do you have anything that you would like to retract at the moment? No. Are you sure? Yeah. I should just play the audio clip you could. of you saying that I don't even think they'll be bowl eligible. I said we'd be lucky if we're bowl eligible. Well, guess what? We're bowl eligible. We're fucking lucky. <laughs> uh, was three did in a row. Three in a row. And I'm telling you, Minnesota's quarterback, I uh, really... Tanner Morgan, is injured. And they're on the backup. And they're really just running the ball. That's how they beat Northwestern this past weekend. Let me tell you. I would love. I would love if we went to a Big Ten championship two years in a row, but I really don't. I I don't want to play Ohio State again or, or Michigan. Michigan again. There was and get walloped there, again. There was somebody that made a tweet to I think Scott Dockerman on uh, Twitter asking like, "Hey, what's your opinion on this? If Iowa does win out and they go to the Big Ten championship game, if you are a player try- thinking of going to Iowa." Are you happy that they made it to the Big Ten championship game, but then you see them lose their fucking ass against Michigan or Ohio State? Or do you hope that they don't go, um, which which is worse, losing and not going to Big Ten championship game or going there and just getting your ass handed to you? And uh, Scott Dockerman said, well, I think you want to, as a team, reach the highest level as possible. That's a banner that you can hang on your wall of, like, we made it to the Big Ten right. championship. So that's what you want to do. Yeah. Anyway. Iowa beat Wisconsin at home, twenty-four to ten. Defense played lights out. Yes, from start to finish, they only had one bad play. Fifty-one pass, uh, passing touchdown from Mertz on a blitz play. But Iowa forced three turnovers, two interceptions, and a fumble. Cooper DeGene was a fucking menace and was all over the goddamn field. Yes, I had a coworker that went to the game and said it sounded like if you're at a high school game. And the announcer is really only just talking about the best player on the high school team because he's involved in every play. He was like, it was like that at Canick, where it's just like, and Cooper DeGene in on the tackle. It's like, oh my God, how many times are you going to hear this guy's name? Um, he had a pick six. Didn't he have more yards than the total offense? At one point. Um, overall, I don't know if he did or not. He might have. He actually might have. Yeah, I now think that he might have. Now that I think about it. Uh, the D-line did a great job of containing the run. Um, Braden Allen did not have that many rushing yards, which is what you need to do against Wisconsin. Uh, special teams also contributed. They had a block punt that set up a short field for a touchdown. Tory Taylor had some monster punts that flipped the field. And then Drew Stevens was one for one on field goals. The offense was way worse than Wisconsin's. Iowa was their O-line could not do anything. They looked super confused. They could not block Wisconsin's front for most of the game. A lot of guys came off unblocked and just fucking ripped Peters down to the ground. Um, he Peters was sacked eight times. Uh, it was horrible to watch. However, did you know Iowa did have more rushing yards than Wisconsin? Even with all those sacks? Even with all those sacks. Uh, Iowa had 52 rushing yards. Wisconsin had 51. <laughs> so he beat him by a yard. I will say... Um, when I w- did watch the game, I saw that the line was not playing well, but it was mainly after Bo Stevens went down and Nick DeJong came in. So I think he might be the big problem. I thought it was even before then. Before I mean, it wasn't down. great before then, but yeah. when Bo Stevens was out, 
It became really, really bad. And it really was in just like the first half yeah. where a lot of sacks were happening. So I think they made some corrections coming in after halftime. Uh, Spencer Peters was 24, or sorry, 14 for 23 for 94 yards, zero touchdowns, zero interceptions. Uh, Caleb Johnson had 22 carries for 57 yards and then one touchdown. So offensively, basically nothing for production, but you got to love it that you can barely even get 150 yards of total offense and you beat Wisconsin. And, you know, I will say, as much as I've ripped on Spencer Peters, I am really glad we don't have Graham Mertz. He looked like shit. Yeah, I mean, he was missing wide open throws. Yes. Like, your receiver has a good two to three yard separation almost, and you're still throwing it way above. Or behind, like not even in the vicinity. It's like, that's like, if Peters did that, I mean, he does sometimes, but mainly it's just, can't can't even get the ball to him. I mean, last thing I'll touch on it, though, is... Iowa added insult to injury. I saw it. At yeah. the end of the game by playing jump around after their win. And if you guys don't know, that is a very big tradition in Wisconsin is to play jump around. After the third quarter. Yeah. They play jump around. So Yeah. Insult to injury. They'll I, they'll remember that. And I I'm not looking forward to that time. Yeah, but that's next season. Yeah. We beat them this year. We got the bull. All right. News politics. With the midterms somewhat wrapped up. I mean, there's still a lot of, I don't know, a couple dozen seats maybe that are still up for that haven't, yeah, for the house that haven't been declared yet. There's still a couple of governor's races going on. One to really watch is the Arizona governor's race with, uh, Carrie Lake and whoever her Democrat is that she's running against. Yeah. Who hopefully wins. She's ahead right now. Last I saw, I think she'll be able to pull it out. The main reason before we get into some of the midterm election results is that I saw an article that was entitled uh, Republicans Sue to Disqualify Mail-In Ballots. So I read this before the actual election day. So some of this doesn't really pertain or matter too much, but I want to run through it. Where Republican officials and candidates in at least three battleground states are trying to disqualify or were trying to disqualify thousands of mail-in ballots uh, in what critics are calling a concerted attempt at partisan voter suppression. So the three... States in question were Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Wisconsin. In Pennsylvania, the state Supreme Court has agreed to the re- with the Republican National Committee that election officials should not c- count ballots on which the voter neglected to put a date on the uh, outer envelope. So, if you don't know, if you mail, if you vote by mail. You get this giant mail-in ballot. It's got papers that you would put into it, and you would mail it like a normal envelope, except it just looks like a manila folder almost. And they're saying that, at least in the state of Pennsylvania, they weren't going to count mail-in ballot votes if you didn't write the date of when you voted on it, which is stupid. Why would it matter? The whole point of it is that you're supposed to mail it in by a certain date, and anything received after that date, you don't count it. Anything before the date... You can. The reason why, um, legally speaking, is if you... So let's use rent for an example. If your rent is due on the 10th and that you don't get... They don't get your your rent check until 10 days later, you have all that money that you have to pay in late fees. But if that envelope is stamped before the day that your rent was due, they legally cannot hold you accountable for those fees because you had paid it on time. It just hadn't gotten to them there. That's part of the reason, in my opinion. 
Yeah, but for this, it's like if uh, you receive a mail-in ballot after the day of the election, you can't count it. So that negates that whole thing of like, even if they were to get mail-in ballots of like the next day, November 9th, they're like, oh, well, this could have been mailed beforehand, but we can't not count it because it did not come to us before or on election day. So the rule that they're saying here would not like qualify for what your reasoning would be, which is, again, that's really targeting specific groups of people from what I can see. So in that case, thousands of ballots would be set aside as a result, uh, enough to swing a close race. In Michigan, Christina Caramano, uh, the Republican nominee for Secretary of State, sued the top election official in Detroit last month, seeking to toss absentee ballots not cast in person with an ID. The whole point of an absentee ballot is that you can mail it. So you would not need to go in person or have an ID to prove that you're the one mailing that ballot. So it runs contrary to even the state's requirements. And when asked in a recent court hearing, Caramano's lawyer declined to say why the suit targets Detroit specifically, a heavily Democratic area, majority black city, and uh, not the entire state in general. So her reasoning is just targeting a specific group of people in a, the obviously the largest metropolitan area in the state just yeah. to try to negate votes. I mean, if you just look at a political map during election times, you will see consistently every single place. Anytime you have a large populated city, it is blue. I don't think I've seen one that is red. Not a single one. I don't think I have either. Major, any major metropolitan area, Chicago, New York, LA, Miami, um, Minneapolis, Miami is in Miami is interesting, um, in a way that what's the governor of Florida, DeSantis, he actually won the city of Miami against his challenger this year. So one majorly populated area is red, but (laughs) every other one of them is blue. I get what you mean. It's a little fishy. Uh, And then Wisconsin, Republicans want a court ruling that will prevent some mail ballots from being counted when the required witness address is not complete. That one makes a little bit more sense. If you do not fill out your address properly on a mail-in ballot then they can't count it. That one makes sense to me. The other two are just complete bullshit in my mind. So experts are claiming that this represents a parallel strategy of suing to disqualify mail ballots based on technicalities. Uh, While the rejections may have some basis in state law, experts also say they appear to go against a principle enshrined in federal law that says you cannot disenfranchise a voter for minor errors. So... Hopefully no one heard my dog barking there in the background. <laughs> he was going a little crazy. Now we can get into some of the results for the midterm. Yeah, so let me actually just pull up this map here because the ones that I think are most notable are mainly the battleground states that we have, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so the big one, obviously, is uh, Pennsylvania. Uh, Mehmet Oz lost. Which I kind of figured it was closer than I actually thought it would would be, so... I think we were talking about it at bowling, Um, but the uh, stroke doesn't stop him. No. And I did learn that he is a Harvard grad. Oh, yeah. John Fetterman. Yep. So he is well-educated and his family is kind of 
not really well off, but they do have some prominence. It's just the fact that he came back to a really poor city and was a mayor and then helped as much as he could without taking special benefits for being a politician. Now, I think a lot of people in Pennsylvania were like, hell fucking yeah, someone that's actually trying to work with us as opposed to dress up in a suit and say they're going to help us, but not. Uh, Some of the other notable ones, and I'm going to talk mainly for Democrats. Uh, You have Nevada that won the Senate seat. You have Arizona that won the Senate seat. Um, Other ones that are surprising, none. Uh, Talking in the state of Iowa, Iowa is completely red. All red, full red. Which makes me grossed out, except when you look at the county breakdown, you have... Lynn County, which has Cedar Rapids. You have Johnson County, which has Iowa City. You have Polk County, which has Des Moines. And you have the county... Blackhawk County that has Waterloo and Cedar Falls. Yep. And then the one right above Polk, I believe, is Story that has Ames in it. Yep. All those were blue. Every fucking thing else was red. Yep. So I hate my state. So Republicans got the governorship, all the House seats, um, and Chuck wins again. His next 68 fucking years. He's going to be 95. He's going to die. He is going to be 95 by the end of this next term. Yeah. And at that point you fucking hope he's not going to run again because he'll be 101 after that. There's no fucking way. Yeah. The most interesting one, hands down, at least for the Senate is Georgia. We've talked about Herschel Walker. We've talked about Raphael Warnock. I mean, we haven't really talked about Raphael Warnock, but that's the race we've been talking about. And they went into, a uh, runoff. Thank you. And that's because neither one of them got 50. So from my count here, we have 99% reporting. And Raphael Warnock has 1,941,837 votes, whereas Herschel Walker has 1,906,643 votes. Um, Raphael Warnock has 49.4% of the vote. Herschel Walker has 48.5% of the vote. And the third party has 2.1%. So all of his uh, votes are going to drop off when they do the re the runoff in December 6th. So you have a couple different options. None of those people can vote. And so it'll just go to the votes that were handed down. They're going to have to revote again. Um, some of those 81,000 that he got will go to Raphael Warnock. Some will go to Herschel Walker. Some just won't go at all. There's a lot of different scenarios that can play out, but I was watching this one so closely the night of the election, it the was day after. super back and forth. And the whole night of Herschel Walker was pretty much ahead, and I was so pissed off going to bed. Mm-hmm. Because Herschel Walker is not a good person. He's not a politician. He is not someone that should you you should want to represent your area. He, If you want to talk about, at least with the John Fetterman thing, of Republicans saying that John Fetterman is not fit for office because he had a stroke... Herschel fucking Walker has severe brain damage and CTE from his years of playing football. Yeah. Undeniable. There is no fucking way that he would be uh, fit for office. No. In comparison. Um, I do want to comment on one more interesting one that I found is, and then one other that we should look at. So one that I found interesting is the house seat, Colorado third. Um, It's the one that Lauren Boebert is... Yeah. The incumbent on. Mm-hmm. So she is currently winning by a little north of a thousand votes, but she had been trailing a good majority of the time. Chances are she's going to end up winning back that seat. But the she fact might not. that she may not, you're right. She might not. 
But the fact that Adam Fersh, her Democratic competitor, is so close and was leading for a good majority of the time is very impressive. I hope she doesn't get the seat back because she's a nightmare. Um, and then the last one is the governor's race in Arizona between, um, let me find the name here, Katie Hobbs and Carrie Lake. Katie Hobbs, currently the Democrat, is winning 50.5% of the votes to 49.5, and that's about 50,000-ish, 45 to 50,000 votes with only 92% reporting. So Carrie Lake is one of those super MAGA people who is, she said she would not, um, she would not accept the election results unless she won. Yeah. Which is problematic. But as far as we know, the Democrats have won the Senate, won control of the Senate. Yeah. So even that runoff. Yeah. If that runoff goes in favor of Herschel Walker, it still won't matter. It'll be a 50-50 tie with uh, Kamala Harris being the VP tiebreaker in the Senate. So just like how we were when Biden uh, took office initially. Yeah. And I want to impose or impress upon you guys, like the severity and the surprise of this election is because if you had watched any of the election coverage, as I did religiously, it was supposed to be a huge red wave. Yes. This is Biden is a historic precedent in terms of the fact that they were expecting 60 lost seats in the house. They were expecting five to six lost seats in the Senate and they kept control of the Senate and they still have a good possibility to oh, control the house. again. It's very slim, but they, there is a way of working it to where, well, I guess based on how votes remaining and a lot of them still tend to be more mail-in ballots, Democrats still could control the house in a way. And even if they don't, the majority of Republicans that if they were to have the house is not very high. It would only be like a three or four seat advantage, which is not much. So the fact that it was supposed to be a huge red wave and Democrats held on, the only other president in U.S. history who has been able to maintain at least some control in Congress in the midterm elections was George W. Bush after 9-11. Otherwise, every president in modern history has lost severe number of seats in the Senate and the House in midterms. It's just how it is. If your party is in control as the president, two years later in midterms, they get fucking crushed. Yeah. It's just how it works out. And this year it didn't. It's It's crazy. It is fucking uh, insane. I did find this one, and there's a reason I want to talk about this one. It's actually the house race in Alaska. I want to talk about it because I remember bringing up with you that special Oh, yeah, so that could still work out where uh, what's-her-fucking-moose-killing-face could get it. Well, currently, um, just from the results that I'm seeing right now, with uh, the Alaska House race, so you have Sarah Palin, uh, Nick Begrich, and Mary Peltola. Mary Peltola was the Democrat who won the special election. In August. So she had basically ran for election, immediately had to run for re-election again. She is currently winning with 80% reporting at 47.3% of the votes. Sarah Palin has 26.6%, and Nick uh, Begich has 24.2. The thing I find interesting is first and foremost, you have two Republicans running against each other and a Democrat. Yep. And the Democrat is winning with 47.3. I actually did the math earlier today. When you add Sarah Palin and Nick Begich's um, votes together, they would win. 
if you just had one Republican running. And all that tells me is that people don't like Sarah Palin. I mean, that's <laughs> you typically don't want to split a vote like that. No. I mean, that happens a lot. I mean, that's why you had Woodrow Wilson become president when Taft and Roosevelt were going against each other in the early 21st century, so or 20th century. Um, some positive news is a lot of Trump-backed candidates did not have a good showing. Yeah. Most of his candidates end up losing uh, their elections. Seven won. Nine have lost, and then there's still five remaining that have not been called yet as of yesterday morning when I was doing my notes. So a lot of him, his are not actually being elected, which is great. Um, going into a lot of these different uh, elections where you have MAGA and uh, Trump uh, election deniers and stuff like that, a lot of these Republicans have conceded, rightfully so. Kerry Lake being an exception, but you have a lot of these different people in cl- close races and just saying, well, yes, I recognize that this person, opposite party, did receive more votes. I will concede to them. As opposed to a lot of recent rhetoric of the MAGA people who are growing in numbers in the Republican Party of we will not accept election results unless we win. Otherwise, it's bullshit and it's rigged. So this is some positive news as well is that a lot of these people are actually conceding. So some good news. I have one last story about GOP and the Republicans where I had saw this article, I think, on Wednesday or Thursday of this past week where the Iowa GOP blacklisted KCRG TV9 News from election night coverage uh, and really just them where the Iowa Republican Party blocked the access for KCRG TV9 to cover the political rally on election night um, in an apparent effort for the media to not be able to cover the after party, or whatever they call it. Uh, it was being hosted at the Hilton Hotel in downtown Des Moines, where KCRG TV9 received notification Monday afternoon that it had was not granted its credential for the event, citing capacity. The Iowa GOP spokesperson uh, Colin Crompton told KCRG TV9 that its uh, priority was given to the Des Moines media, which would allow KCRG to take a feed of speeches at the event from an affiliate station in Des Moines. So they'd be able to still get a feed, but they themselves would not actually be able to be there to ask questions uh, or to really interview any candidates or anything like that. And for you guys to understand, KCRG is one of the biggest news networks in the state of Iowa. Yeah, they're based out of Cedar Rapids, which is the second biggest city in Iowa. So they're pretty big, at least for Iowa. Um However, KCRG confirmed that other local media outlets from outside the Des Moines area did receive credentials, meaning that capacity limits and favoring Des Moines media does not fully explain why the party was purposely blocked from the event. Uh, So even though they were able to get feed for the speeches, like I said, they were not able to actually interview anybody of the Republican Party that was at the party. Um, The action comes after... Iowa Republican Party had repeatedly criticized and questioned or blocked KCRG political coverage. In particular, KCRG TV9 held a fact checks segment on their news uh, where they performed on political ads 
different fact checks to see how legitimate those political ads were. And at least twice, KCRG TV9 News rated ads by Republican candidates with an F, saying that they were not factual or based in, in any actual reality. So on one ad, you have a Republican Brenna Byrd claimed that Attorney General Tom Miller, who did get reelected, led a con- or let a convicted sex offender out of prison due to a sex change. And then there was another political ad where Republican Bobby Kaufman accused former Johnson County Sheriff Lonnie uh, Polkrebeck uh, for allow- allowing Black Lives Matter rioters to deface Kennex Stadium. So because of those political ads, KCRG ran a fact check, said this is not real, and the Republican uh, or the Iowa GOP got butt hurt and said, okay, well, you're not going to be able to attend our event, which is so fucking petty. It's insane. And it's not like it's horrible, horrible, but you, you have to understand that if you are a political party and you are purposely preventing a news organization from coming in to cover you, it's kind of an issue. It's the start of something that could be bad. I don't understand why just because they rated your political ads as being horseshit that you're so butthurt that you're not going to let them come in and ask you questions. They don't want people to expose the truth. I guess. But, I mean, you would think that... I mean, a lot of political ads are, are, are horseshit. And a lot of people do fact checks on them and say, hey, this is not real. A lot of times they just say, okay... Fuck you. I don't care what you say. As opposed to not only that, but like, no, no, now you're going to be able to cover us. Yeah. So, little, little cheesy in my sense. Surprise topics. Yeah. I'll start with mine. I actually made it short because I figured we were going to talk long. Uh, yes. So I called, I titled mine from old prison to new vision. Uh, so New York jail Rikers Island is being decommissioned as a prison by 2027 and state officials already have an idea as to what it should be changed to. The idea that has been the most popular is transforming it into a green energy plant and training facility with the potential capability to power 45,000 homes. It's an ideal positioning close to LaGuardia Airport in New York and has enough land that it could uh, move the aging wastewater treatments on Randall Island in the Bronx and and in Queens to the island clearing way for any infrastructure in those areas that would be beneficial to the community. That's pretty nice. Yeah. I would almost say open up for housing for the homeless. That's an option, but that would be a little bit tricky with, you know, delivering food and all that for that many people. Yeah. I guess logistically, if you have to keep shipping food by via boat. Yeah. Literally every day. Yeah. That and winter season and yeah, yeah. it gets a little tricky, but yeah. another option too, they could use some of the land for it, but that's the one that's become the most popular, which I think is actually a pretty good idea. Oh yeah. No, I mean do what you can do i mean that building's been there for a long fucking time yeah don't just get rid of it no purpose my surprise topic is i entitled it prince charming question mark so the national park service has always had signs asking visitors to refrain from going near petting or feeding wildlife you know they always have like on trails of like hey keep keep to the trail you know yep uh however Tongue contact has not been added in regards to specific animals. So the National Park Service added tongue contact with the Sonoran Desert Toad among its various warnings for park visitors. Quote, 
as we say with things, most things you come across in the na- uh, national park, whether it be a banana slug, unfamiliar mushroom, or a large toad with glowing eyes in the dead of night, please refrain from licking, the agency stated on Facebook, in a Facebook post. The Sonoran toad, a desert toad, secretes a toxic poison that can be that can make people sick. Uh, and if you can, if you touch it or if you ingest it by the mouth, um, it can cause a lot of issues. Despite those risks, some people have discovered that the toad's toxic secretions contain a powerful hallucinogenic known as uh, 5-MeO-DMT. And in recent years, smoking the amphibian secretions has grown in popularity. <laughs> so much so that the species is even considered threatened at least in New Mexico, due to what they say is collectors that want to use the animal for drug use, (laughs) according to the department's Game and Fish Commission. Uh, A number of public figures have uh, come forward saying that they've experimented with this toad's uh, toxins before, and I'm going to give you two of them, and I bet you're not going to be surprised by either one of them. Uh, Boxing legend Mike Tyson said that he's used it, and says that some researchers have been begun to study it for potential therapeutic uh, benefits. Can you guess the other person? No. Think really. of someone that we've talked about that uh, has done a lot of drugs and they get in trouble a lot. There could be a lot of people, like Bam Margera. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'll just say it then. Uh, Hunter Biden. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Hunter Biden. Uh, has written about using that specific chemical compound for therapy as a form of addiction treatment. That's what he says. Sure. Uh, the U.S. Drug Enforcement Administration considers that drug to be a Schedule One drug, meaning that it is currently not accepted for medical use and has high potential for abuse. Isn't that interesting? It. I just, every time I hear about this story, I think of the Family Guy episode. Oh, every yeah. time. Yeah. Every fucking time. I mean, time. think about it. You're walking along the trail and you see a sign that says, don't lick the toes. <laughs> Interesting. People never. Hey, got to do what you got to do. To get high, man. Got to get high. <laughs> Moving into entertainment. Yes. Sad story starting off here. Uh, Gallagher died at the age of 76. Uh, comedian born as Leo Gallagher, best known as Gallagher, died at the age of 76. Uh, from organ failure, where he was in hospice care in his Palm Springs home in California. Uh, he had been unwell, apparently, for a, a while now and has had multiple heart attacks, which is super sad. Um, I saw him live when I was in middle school, and it was pretty good. It's pretty funny. It's pretty energetic, too. I mean, at that time, I guess he was in his mid-60s, so I'm sure I'm sure he had a little bit more energy to him, but he was... Very energetic. He was very fun, and I got a picture with him. Nice. Yep, me and my dad got a picture with Gallagher. Going to move into bad movie podcasts. has got three for you. I, I did tell Eric before that I do have a theme to mine, and it is a person, but this person with my movies is not always acting in these movies. They either could be a writer or a director of these movies as well. Are you ready? I will try my best. French OCD inspector tries to find a killer while on vacation. Pink Panther. That is a very good guess. <laughs> he, he's, not, he's not OCD, though. 
Murder uh, on the Orient Express. Okay, I've never actually seen that one. It's a very good one. And if you haven't seen that one, I'm guessing you haven't seen Death, Death on the Nile. Nile. I have not seen that either. Watch them. They're very good. Okay. Um, moving I, on. I, I would have no guess on where this next one, who this person <laughs> is then. Teenage kid tries to kill a giant snake with the help of friends, spiders, and a book. So that's Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. Yes. Okay. Last one. An overconfident, angsty god gets banished for being stupid to only realize how he was wrong by falling in love and becomes the hero once again. I have I have seen this movie. Now, I don't know if I can... <clears throat> Repeat it again. Uh, a god gets banished. An overconfident, angsty god gets banished for being stupid to only realize how he was wrong by falling in love and becomes the hero once again. I I don't know. Thor. Oh, yeah. Okay, well then who... Who directed Thor? Uh, I honestly don't know who directed the for- first Thor movie. Kenneth Branagh. <sighs> who? So, you've seen Harry Potter and Chamber of Secrets. Yeah. Gilderoy Lockhart. The actor who plays the Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher in that movie, The Fraud. Oh, yeah? That's Kenneth Branagh. And he's a director? He directed Thor and Thor 2. I did not know that. And then he was... he was Arguably the two worst Thors. He was Hercule Petrol in uh, Murder of the Orient Express and Death on the Nile. That is fucking rough. <laughs> I, t- I told you it was going to be a beater today. I can envision him in my head of what he looks like. No idea that he was a director. Yeah, he directed the the first two Thor movies. Dude, he sucks at directing. <laughs> <laughs> he is bad. Sorry, what's his name? Kenneth Branagh. Kenneth Branagh, you suck at directing. All right, moving into social events. Oh, you you didn't get any. Oh, you got. I you got, got one. one. I'm sorry. I got one. The Harry Mo- Potter one. <laughs> moving into social events. We have Winter's Gathering in Grand Marais, Minnesota from November 17th through the 20th. There's a tenant, or sorry, tent encampment, winter skills seminars, Arctic Film Festival, and chili feed at the North House Folk School. Kind of sounds interesting, not going to lie. The encampment, I don't know if you want to be in a tent out in this winter. Well, that's true. But, but, oh well. I think it'd be fun. Um then you have the Magnificent Mile Lights Festival and Parade in Chicago, Illinois on November 19th. There will be music and family activities on Michigan Avenue with a lighted parade from Oak Street to Wacker Drive, followed by fireworks over the Chicago River. All right, Croy. Yep. Calling you out. And then last but not least, this one lasts a long time, actually. You Holy have, shit. Yeah, Holiday Fantasy Light. Yeah, holiday, holiday fantasy in lights in Madison, Wisconsin, from November twelfth, so it's already started, through January first. The free display in Olin Park is open from dusk till dawn. Interesting. Yeah, so that's gonna last a while. So if you're <clears throat> going to Madison, go check that out. They're just like Mariah Carey. They're probably gonna extend it out further next year for <laughs> their fucking Christmas music. Probably. Unpopular opinions. Yes. Um, I'll go first. Okay. I, I didn't even think the fact that yours and I was both related to the same kind of thing, but yeah. mine is that soft serve ice cream is better than hard serve. Hard. I don't hard serve just being like, like the thing you buy in a container. Yeah, okay. That you have to scoop. All right. 
I mean, in some ways I could agree with you, but I also like some things that you can buy in a store have obviously different flavors and right. I will say there's definitely more option when it comes to like flavorings for hard serve that you can buy pre-done. But I mean, if you think about it, you have blizzards with soft serves. Yeah. Just regular cones with soft serve. So for me, just the variety that you can get with soft serve and I like the taste better. It's a lot easier for me to eat. I don't have to work that hard. There was uh, this one ice cream that me and my girlfriend got that is supposed to be super low calorie, and I think it doesn't even have dairy in it. And it's hard as a fucking rock to try to get something scooped out of it. And even using a hot spoon did not work for me. I had to use a legit serrated knife <laughs> to cut it to get what I wanted. It was, I mean, it tasted all right, but it, it was fucking hard. So I might be with you on this off <laughs> Uh, mine is cheesecake is the best dessert. I wouldn't say best, but I do like cheesecake. I hated it for a long time. It's my number one, and it has been since I was probably six. Really? Oh, yeah. I love cheesecake. I did not know that. Yeah, I, I hated it for the longest time. I'm, I'm not a big pie person, as you already know. It's not a pie. See, but the thing is, it had the same kind of like crust as some pies do. Yeah. Which was a big thing. One of the biggest reasons why I actually don't like pie is the crust on it. But I finally gave cheesecake another go, like, I don't know, two years ago, maybe two, three years ago. And I was like, okay, this ain't that bad. And so now I really like cheesecake. I mean, there's a lot of great flavors of cheesecake. Um, It's hard for me to hate a cheesecake, even when it sucks. It's really good. It's kind of like pizza and sex. It's just, even when it sucks, it's great. Right. Um, Have you had the, the cheesecake at Brown Bottle? Oh, yeah. With the chocolate on it? Well, I mean, they I had their, I get their seasonal. Oh, and I don't. um, I don't remember the last cheesecake that I had there, but it was fucking good. Yeah, cheesecake's awesome, and it's better than obviously cake. I don't, I'm not a big fan of cake, but I I'll eat cake. it because I'm a slut for sweets. <sighs> but it's better than pies, better than yep. cookies, yep. Uh, brownies, suck. better than brownies. Uh, it's just better than pretty much everything else I can think of. I, I will have to argue though, personally, cake for me is the best. See, I used to love cake, and I think that might have just been me as a kid. Like, oh, yeah, I love cake because you get cake for birthdays and shit. And then as an adult, I'm like, mm, pie's pretty good. Pie's awesome, but cheesecake has always been above either one of those two. Kind of off-topic question because it doesn't relate to like it being an unpopular opinion. Do you or do you not, not like um, ice cream cake? I like ice cream cake. I hate it. Do you? I do. There's a lady on TikTok... Um, I don't know where she works. It might be like a Dairy Queen. I don't know. But she will do videos of her making ice cream cake, special order stuff. And she did one where a customer asked for like basically three or four extra layers of like that crunch middle stuff that has like the fudge and the crunch. And I'm like, that's a pretty fucking good idea because <laughs> that's the best part of an ice cream cake is that crunch fudge layer. Why not just get that like three or four times over? <laughs> Dude, I'm, I'm just saying for me, it's like I like ice cream and I like cake and I like them together. Mm-hmm. I don't like them together in one thing. Oh. I don't like the idea of a cold cake and I don't like biting into ice cream. So for me, nope. Don't bite into it. Use a fork. I know that genius, but you still have to bite. The, you still have to take the bite of it. Okay. What do you do with ice cream? I don't like bite into it like i take a small bite and then i like pull it off with my repeat what you just said shut up (laughs) i don't bite into it i take a small bite (laughs) (laughs) 
I don't sink my teeth into it. You don't have to. That's why you have a fork. You just put it on your tongue if you need to. Man. Yeah, but then you have the cake that I want to chew. And so then I'm... What cake? It's not actual cake. It's literally just ice cream. There's in cake the f- and ice cream in an ice cream cake. No. Yeah. It's literally just two different flavors of ice cream and then that fudge crunch shit. That's ice cream cake. What are you talking about? There is there is not cake and fucking ice cream and ice cream cake. <laughs> Maybe it's been this long that I haven't had it, but yeah, that's that was my memory of ice cream cake, which is your memory why I don't sucks. Eat, <laughs> it's been like probably fifteen years since I've had a fucking ice cream cake. I yeah, it's probably been roughly that long for me, and I still remember. <laughs> I remember. <laughs> we watched South Park. <laughs> no, I hate South Park. Oh well, there's a thing in one season where they called them member berries, and all they do is go, "I remember." <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, member berries. All Whatever. right. This day in history for November 14th, uh, starting with the most recent going back uh, in time. In 1993, Don Shula becomes the winningest head coach in NFL history. Who's number two? Belichick now. He was tied. uh, I don't remember who he was tied with recently, but he just beat them with these these last couple weeks. Uh, and Don Shula is still number one. Uh, 1935, FDR proclaims the Philippine Islands as a free commonwealth uh, after the U.S. got them from the Spanish and the Spanish-American War, uh, kind of around the turn of the century. 1908, Albert Einstein presents his quantum theory of light. Uh, and then 1881, Charles J. Gateau on was put on trial for the assassination of U.S. President uh, James Garfield. If only we would have secured our borders. Right. Fucking foreigners. <laughs> Named Charles. <laughs> Fucking French people. I know. Trying to kill our presidents. Right. Fuck the white immigrants. Yeah. Famous birthdays for today. Uh, speaking of white people, uh, <laughs> King Charles III uh, has a birthday today. Travis Barker, the drummer for Blink-182. Patrick Warburton, the actor. Do you know who he is? I have no idea who this is. He's the voice of, what's his face on Family Guy? Joe? Joe. He's the voice of Joe. Oh, okay. Um, He's also been in other sitcoms in the 90s and early 2000s. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. He's pretty funny. Uh, And then T.Y. Hilton, the NFL player, has a birthday today as well. All right. Well, that wraps up everything for this week's episode of the Detention Podcast. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Please spread the word and encourage others to listen. Uh, You can follow us on Twitter uh, at DetentionPod1, or you can send us an email at DetentionPodcast1 at gmail.com. You can also listen to the Detention Podcast on Anchor, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. And with that, your detention has been served. We will see you again next week.